Hello and welcome to another episode of our Revolutionary Podcast. This is Pastor Tito Sotolongo, your podcast pastor, as well as pastor at tabernacleofgod.church, where my job is to help you find faith in Christ and to help you follow through with your life. And today we are wrapping up a series on that we've been talking about rhythms. And in this one, we are not only addressing what we should be doing while we are not resting, but connecting it with everything that we are seeing right now in the world, on social media, with the pain points that we are seeing, with all the injustice, and and then even the debating. You know, what is the church? How is the church supposed to respond to everything that's happening in the world today? Well, that's what we're focusing on. And I believe if we did this one thing, though it might sound simple, it actually is very, very powerful. And so let's go right in, see what it is. wrapping up a series that we've been doing today called uh, Rhythms. And the whole point of Rhythms is how to find rest for our souls. And we have been looking at one important rhythm that we all need to have in our lives, and that's learning the rhythm of rest, right? We talked about that, what honoring the Sabbath means, taking one day off a week. Why? Not only for your spirit, for your body. That's the technical, like that's the little element of it. But we talked about the point of the Sabbath is from learning to stop and having that rhythm of rest is knowing that there's a work that you and I can rest from forever, that we don't have to work to earn God's love and approval. That's what Jesus worked and did it for us. So that was a big point of that. But then hold on, I know we can't always take every day off, right? That's only one day. What about the rhythm of all every other day of the week? We've only been talking about one rhythm, the, this day of rest once a week. But what about the other six? Well, I only got one day, one thing to tell you about what you should do, not just those six days, but honestly, every single day. The thing that we're going to talk about today is something that God wants us to remember because it should be a part of our daily rhythms, And the daily rhythm is making it personal, making it personal. All right. If you're, if you're watching me online, I want you just to repeat it, put it on the chat, make it personal. I can say this because I'm not alone today. Say, make it personal with me. All right. It's so weird. Okay. Anyways, anyways. All right. Listen, the, we're going to start here. All right. Now you and I know make it, making it personal is powerful. We've all had, we've all had that one individual. We've all had that person who made it personal, stepped into our lives, right, and said that one word, brought that one encouragement, put their arm around us, right, or just listened to us. We all have that person that made it personal, stepped into our lives, and made a difference, right? We all have plenty of those. We got parents, coaches, teachers, friends, family, strangers even, right? We all have those moments. We all need, here's the thing, you and I, we need that. I need that. We all need people who are willing to make it personal and step into our lives. The reason why is because we all have a tendency to check out. We all have a tendency to check out when things get difficult. We all have a tendency to check out when things aren't going the way we thought they ought to be going. We all have the tendency to check out because it's easier to, it's like that phrase, right? It's easier said than done. And when it's not, when it's harder to do, we tend to check out. And that's when we need people willing to step in and say, no, don't give up. Step in to say, no, listen, and to bring us that word of encouragement. We all need that. We all need that in our lives. I'm glad you would not be here today if there weren't people in your life that have done that. I know, right? We need that. And there's a world out there. There's a world out there who has been checked out. 
and they don't know. They don't know. They need someone willing to make it personal and step into their life. And we, listen, we take our cues from Jesus. Okay, you should be a Christian for a reason, all right? Christ, there it is. So we take our cues from Christ. And Jesus one day made it personal, stepped into a man's life, and did something that I know without a shadow of a doubt. He wants to do through us today. Now, this is a classic story that if you've grown up in church, I know you've heard of it. I mean, in Spanish church, when I used to, there was a song that we used to sing. And it was, man, in church, we got some corny songs. We sing some corny songs. This one was a corny song. This one's about a dude named Zacchaeus. All right? I'm not even going to bother you trying to tell you about how Zacchaeus said, No, I'm not even going to go there. All right? Listen, Zacchaeus is a story we're going to talk about today. Jesus showed up and made it personal in his life. Now, I know, I know when I say, all right, hey, I'm giving you one more thing to do. You know, like, you'll pass. I'm already busy. I got way too many things to do. I can't do that. Yeah, true. This is why we talked about you're probably too busy in things that shouldn't and really don't matter that much. This is something, making it personal, showing up in someone's life is something that needs to be a part of the rhythm of every single day. If you're a parent, you got to learn to you know, show up in your kids' lives every single day. If you're married, you got a relationship, you got to show up every single day. You don't take a day off on that one, all right? You, you got friends, family, all this. You got to be willing to show up. And so with the stories that Caius was interested because see, Jesus was busy. And if there was anybody who had an excuse to say, look, I, I got a lot on my mind. I got a lot on my plate right now. You know, I'm, I'm trying to save the world, you know, so can you just give me a second, right? You know, if there was anybody, it would be Jesus. And here's the thing. The story of Zacchaeus is interesting because Jesus is literally on his way to Jerusalem to die on the cross. He is on his way. Well, we're going to pick up the story right now. It is there. It is about, and he takes a detour to the city called Jericho. He didn't have to. He did it because there was someone there. See, that's the beautiful thing about Jesus is that even if it's just one, it's worth it. Like he, he makes it just for that one. And so Jesus goes out of his way, makes a pit stop, a detour into Jericho on his way to Jerusalem. And he stepped into Zacchaeus' life. I'm going to read the whole story. So we're going to put it up. If you don't got the Bible, it's okay. I got you. All right. We're going to put it on the screen. Those of you that are here today, everybody, those online, let's read it together. I'm going to read the story straight through. And we're going to read Zacchaeus chapter, um, this is Luke, sorry, chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. So now Luke was not an apostle. Luke was not there to write this. But Luke, at the beginning of his gospel, he actually wasn't even a Jew. He writes down and he does an investigation to write down an account of the life of Jesus. And here he took eyewitness accounts, wrote this down, and now we have Luke's interpretation and Luke's uh, research. And here's what Luke wrote down. All right. He, being Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. Again, where is he going? He's going to Jerusalem to die on the cross. There was a man there named Zacchaeus who was a, keyword, chief tax collector, another keyword, and was rich. He was trying, Zacchaeus was, he was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was not able to because of the crowds. Since he was a short man, so hey, uh, all you uh, vertically challenged people, all right, this, this, this story's for you, I'm just kidding. So running ahead, he, being Zacchaeus, climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus since he was about to pass that way. When Jesus came to that place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down because today it is necessary for me to stay at your house. So he quickly came down and welcomed him joyfully. All who saw it, what they do? They complained. He is gone to stay with a sinful man. See, they're talking smack about Jesus. 
All right, and, and this dude, but Zacchaeus, but Zacchaeus stood there, said to the Lord, look, I will give half of my possessions to the poor, Lord, and if I have extorted anything from anyone, I will pay back four times as much. Today, today salvation has come to this house, Jesus told him, because he too is a son of Abraham, for the son of man has come to what? Say it out loud, church, this is important, seek and save the lost seek and save the lost listen how did jesus make it personal how did he show up in this man's life listen he did two things that i believe that he wants us that god wants to do in us and through us till today he did two things interesting with zacchaeus this is number one he treat he saw zacchaeus differently he saw zacchaeus differently See, for I said there was a key words, right? Chief tax collector, dude was rich. Some of y'all know this, but listen, for those that don't, chief tax collectors and, and, and a tax collector in general, the Jews who were a tax collector, and we know that he was a Jew, all right? We know Zacchaeus was a Jew. He was, a, this guy was the scum of the earth. I mean, let's be honest, uh, uh, you know, are, are the IRS your best friends right now? You know, let's be honest, right? And so, it's like, mm, I don't know. so they, but this was worse though, because Jewish tax collectors were considered scum. They were considered outcasts. They were considered, I mean, the worst of of the worst because these people made their riches on the backs of their own people when rome says hey this is the the tax that i need you to collect all right i got you and what they would do is they would up the charges and that's how they made their cut and the thing is people knew they were doing it rome knew they were doing it but rome didn't stop them rome didn't prosecute them no one could touch them this was a interesting systematic oppression that was going on right? within their own people. This is Jews abusing their own Jewish people, making themselves rich. And so you did not, there was, if, if you were a tax collector, you said, look, if I'm going to make this move for money, it's a money move. All right. This was a money move. I'm going to do this career to make money, to get what I can't get. I'm going to do this for me. And people knew it. If you got that job, you say goodbye to your family. You say goodbye to certain things. People ain't going to invite you to their birthday parties anymore because they knew. I was like, bro, how dare you? So no one liked this guy. And again, Jesus, what did Jesus do? Jesus saw Zacchaeus differently. Jesus saw Zacchaeus. First off, nobody can see Zacchaeus, right? Because the dude was short, all right? And you guys know, all the short people, you know photo protocols, right? You know what photo protocols are. If you're short and you got to take a group picture, what do they say? Short people in the front, right? And then you, gotta, then you got to make that walk of shame, right? Uh, walk of shame, whatever. And so short people to the front. Why? Because you can't be seen. You can't be seen if you're in the back, right? If you're short, you got to go to the front. Well, in this case, nobody, did you notice that no one was letting Zacchaeus go to the front? He couldn't see. Why? Because they hated this guy. They were like, why am I going to try to help you, bro? I'm like, you, you need to skid. Look, I'm looking down on him because he's like, skedaddle. You know, like, that's it. No, get out of the way, bro. And so no one wanted to even see him. No one wanted to help him. Jesus saw him differently. Now, I, I, I have to be super careful because, listen, those of y'all, when you read the Bible, it's so important that you don't impose your own interpretations. Be careful. Now, this is just me. This is just, to me, logic, okay? This is, there's nothing in the Bible to confirm. I'm just applying logic. If this dude is hanging up and he's up on a tree where Jesus could see him, I guarantee you everybody else saw him. Tell me, tell me that I, I wouldn't be surprised if everybody was ragging on this guy right now, making fun of him. It's like, oh, look at this one. Oh, and they're just all clowning on the dude because he just wants to see Jesus. No one wants to help him. I would not be surprised. Again, we don't have confirmation. I'm just saying, I would not be surprised. If people were not just making fun of him, calling him whatever name that came to mind, 
because they hated this guy. I mean, you saw it. When Jesus went over to his house, what did they say? Oh my gosh, Jesus is going over with the what? Sinful man. That was like slander. That was scum. That was a, that was a harsh word to say. But Jesus saw Zacchaeus differently. And the, I thought it was interesting. Jesus doesn't normally walk up to a stranger and say their first name. He doesn't do that. That's not normal. But what did the scripture says? He saw up, said, hey, Zacchaeus. He'd never met him before. Listen, the doctors, psychologists, they say that even though you might not, you might hate your name. I kind of don't like my name. My wife, Alicia, she don't like her name. She just says, I love her name. She don't like it. I'm pretty sure some of you are like, I just hate my name. But psychologists say that there's just something about that. We love to hear someone else call us by name. There's something unique about that. Something that just hits us. So in the midst of probably a crowd yelling and calling him all kind of names, here's Jesus and actually calls him by his name name. It says Zacchaeus. He saw him differently. Where everybody else saw up there in a tree, where everybody saw a greedy man, Jesus saw a lonely man. Where everybody else saw someone who was abusing his power, Jesus saw someone who was abused himself. When, G, when everybody said, look, there, there's a rich man up there, Jesus saw someone who was poor in the things that mattered most. When everybody up there said, oh man, look, that guy's a thief, Jesus saw someone who was robbed of relationships and love and dignity. Jesus saw Zacchaeus differently. And see, you and I, we struggle with that. Let's be honest. We all struggle with seeing each other differently because since we don't know everything about each other, it's impossible. We tend to fill in the blanks with our assumptions, misconceptions, misinformation. Why are we seeing right now everything happening, all the frustration online, in the streets, everywhere? Why? Because everybody's just filling in the blanks. Everyone's filling in the blanks instead of doing the work of, you know, just actually getting to know and, and just, you know, humbling themselves. We're allowing either culture to fill in the blanks for us, our own experiences to fill in the blanks, and we can't see each other the way that we should. We're not. You and I have that tendency. We, 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 assume, we, we fill in the blanks with misconceptions. We all, misinformation, and we all, we all have blind spots. We all have blind spots. And see, when you can't see someone when you can't see them for who they are, then you really, what you do, it, it, you might mean well. Everything you might say might mean well, but it doesn't do anything meaningful because you don't really see the problem. Listen, I, my youngest, JJ, JJ, I forgot, you're, how old were you when you broke your leg? Five? You're like five, right? Six o'clock. Uh, six o'clock. Wow, I'm still not awake. Six years old. All right. Six. I was there, I was, on the, I was on the driveway, and I'm watching my oldest and my youngest on a skateboard. They're going down the hill, he, uh, the, the driveway, JJ's on the front, he pops off. My oldest son, twice his age, twice his size, keeps going, rams in the back of his leg, and then I see it. JJ is flopping like a fish out of water. I mean, I could tell, I'm like, oh, he broke his leg. No. I went running over to him, I calmed him down, I, I picked up his leg, and I'm just trying to calm him down. I'm, I'm inspecting the leg, I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Don't be broken, don't be broken. I don't want to pay for this. I don't want to pay for this. Don't be broken. That's just me. I'm being selfish right now. I'm just being honest. And I'm looking. I was like, okay. Okay, okay. Everything looks okay. There's no, there's no pure snaps. There's, there's no nothing. You know, his leg's not all this way. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Okay, just calm down, calm down. I pick him up. Take him inside, give him Tylenol, put an ice pack, trying to calm him down. Obviously, he's in pain. He's, I get it. And so I was like, he's, he's already six, right? He's six. And as the day goes on, I'm like, no, 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 that's, 
I don't want to go to the hospital. I, I just, no, no, no. He's fine. He's fine. He's fine. He's fine. And we're just going, and I'm just rationalizing in myself because I didn't want to go through the hassle. I didn't want to have to find out and all those things, whatever. So we're, we're going, we're going. The day goes on. It's finally nighttime. And this is, I, I got to tell him myself, I'm not proud of what I did. I'm not proud of how I treated him at this moment. Which, buddy, if I haven't apologized, I'm apologizing right now. He, it was at night. He was sleeping next to us in the couch, and he was still whining, still complaining. And that's when I had it. I was so frustrated, I literally just said, in essence, you know, just suck it up. Like, it's okay. You're fine. It'll, it, it'll get better. You're, you're fine. And just suck it up. I'm total, horrible dad move two days before, two weeks before Father's Day. So anyways, and I was just, I was a jerk. I was a jerk. I was lazy. I was frustrated. I don't know. Whatever. I don't know why I did it. I was a jerk. Until my wise wife finally said, I think we need to take him to the hospital. I'm like, fine. I, I can't. So we go to my shame. There it was. Spiral fracture on his leg. But I was confused. The problem was, see, I was giving him everything. I was trying to do everything I needed. I elevated the leg. I put ice. I gave him Tylenol. I did everything that I needed because I did not, I could not see what the problem was. It was deeper. And here's the thing. There was nothing in the leg that showed it was crooked. There wasn't even no bruising, nothing. It looked normal. So then I made an assumption. He's fine, but he was really hurting. And, and everything I was doing, I meant well, but it was not treating the situation. I needed an x-ray machine to see what I could not see. And when we saw it, I felt like junk. But then we actually applied measures that actually helped bring healing. Why are we not seeing any healing and progress right now? Because we are all looking at each other and we don't see the problem. And we're applying Tylenol and, and applying this and applying that when the leg is broken. And we don't see what the issue is. That's an issue we have. And we need not just a machine. A machine can't do this. We need God to give us those eyes to see, to look past our blind spots, to look past our misconceptions, to look past everything, to see the person for what they are, to see what the real problem is. See, when Jesus, because Jesus was able to see him differently, Jesus did part two. Ready? When you can see someone the right way, when you can see someone differently, now you're able to treat them differently. That's what he did. A lot of times, Jesus just would give a passive word to somebody. He would say, oh, your faith has made you well. Rise and walk. And and he would do these little passive moves. Hey, go, your, your servant is healed. You know, there was a lot of times Jesus just gave a word and that was it. But this time, he doesn't give a word. He doesn't say, Zacchaeus, calm down. No, that God loves you and your, your faith has made you. No. He goes, Zacchaeus, I need you to come down because it's necessary. I got to go to your house right now. I'm, I'm sliding over right now. I'm, I'm inviting, imposing myself right now. I'm going to your house, Zacchaeus. Get down. Let's go. I'm hungry. I don't know. Let's go. Oh, come on. I, I got stuff to do. Chop, chop. I'm going to your house. It's necessary. Listen, Jesus was willing to not just give him a passive word. Jesus was willing to step into his experience. Jesus was willing to have a relate. Jesus was willing to associate with someone that no one wanted to associate with. He was willing to have a relationship and step into someone's life that no one had. They had just threw him off. I was like, nah, we don't deal with, we don't interact with those kind of people. And they criticized Jesus for it. But Jesus did it anyways because, see, Zacchaeus as rich as he was, as powerful as he was, chief, tax collector, rich, there was something that Jesus had that says, there's something that's in Jesus I don't have. I need to see him. There's something that Jesus has I can't buy. I need to get to him. So he climbs that tree to get to him. And Jesus says, no, 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 that's not the way. That's not the way. Come on, get down. I got to go to your house. 
I need to go to your house. See, this was important for us to realize this, guys. See, Jesus was willing to treat him differently. And what happened? Because he, treated, he saw him differently, he treated him differently, Zacchaeus became different, right? His, his life was transformed, right? He says, oh, I'm going to give all the money away. If I've extorted, if I've done, I want to make things right. And Jesus said, salvation has entered this house. Listen, please listen. Zacchaeus was not saved because of what he was wanting to do. He's like, all right, God, I'll make it all right if you make it right with me. And oh, no, okay, now you're saved because no, that's saved by works, by your efforts. That's not it. He was willing to make things right because something clicked inside of his life. God made him right at that moment. And because his heart was transformed through the love of Jesus, he said, oh, I want to do this now. I'm not doing it so that I can get something. No, I've gotten something from God. So I want to now give. And his life was changed because Jesus saw him differently, treated him differently. And that's something that we need to be able to do as well. Because, see, the problem was, is you and I, you and I are Zacchaeus in the story. You and I are the crowd who criticized Jesus for hanging out with somebody because the crowd failed to see Zacchaeus differently. But let's be honest, Zacchaeus failed to see others differently. And he didn't treat them well. He didn't treat them well. See, when we fail to see people in the image of God that they are created, you don't treat them like a human being. Why do you think all this, you know, the, the systems like communism and socialism commit some of the craziest atrocities? Because at the core of that, at the core of their feeling is you are not a person. You are not a person that is made in the honor and the image of God that deserves to be treated with honor and dignity. You are just a body. You are just somebody upon. You're not deserving of. See, this is the how when we can't see each other and see the image of God that bore that that you know we carry, we don't treat each other the way that we deserve. And we, you and I are Zacchaeus. You and I are the crowd. And that's why I'm so grateful that Jesus, Jesus was able to do something different. Now, let, let me say this right now, because everybody right now, everybody is, is a civil rights expert right now online. Everybody right now is a health expert online. Everybody is an expert right now. So let me just say something, and I hope it hits well, all right, because it's something I have to remember myself. And I'm only talking to the church right now, so y'all better listen. Jesus died for the person on the other side of your opinion. Listen to this. Jesus died for Jesus died for okay. Jesus died for the person on the other side of your opinion. Why does that statement matter? Because listen, as the church was supposed to be like Jesus, Jesus died for the person on the other side of your opinion. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean that hey, check your check check your privilege or check. Your, I'm not none of that. It just means listen, you might be right. Your opinion might be right, but you can get it wrong in the way and how you say it. And, and you can get it wrong even if you're right. Jesus died for the person on the other side of your opinion. That should cause you to see that person differently. I don't care if they vote differently than you, think differently than you. You got to see them. Jesus died for that person too. He's deserving of, of love even if they are in the wrong. There's still patience and love. I don't care who you are. And I don't know. Give me a little virtual clap online too. Listen, I'm not, I, if you're trying to figure me out right now, it's like, wait, who's he talking to? Is he talking to the left? Is he talking to the right? Who's he, I'm talking to all y'all, okay? I'm talking to everybody. I don't care if you all, you know, all lives matter, black lives matter. I'm talking to all of you. Jesus died for the person on the other side of your opinion. Church, we're the ones that got to be a little different here, okay? And that should lead us to treat, see each other differently, treat each other differently. Because that's only when we can start seeing different results, that's what everybody wants, right? Different results. But see, Jesus is the key. 
because you and I have failed. We fail. We all have blind spots still. Everybody has blind spots that we need God to help us to see. We all are Zacchaeus up a tree. See, Zacchaeus tried to climb a tree to get to Jesus, right? He tried to do in all of his efforts, and he tried to do everything to get to the what, you know, to get to Jesus, to get to what he was missing, to make a difference. See, no, you and I, are we're the ones that are just like Zacchaeus. We're trying to climb this tree, trying to do what we need to do to make things right, to get right, to be right. But the thing is that even though Zacchaeus tried to climb a tree to Jesus and he failed, after Jesus, after Zacchaeus got down, not too long after that, Jesus goes and he's crucified on a tree to get to us. Jesus was crucified on a tree to get to us, and he did it. He did it. He was crucified on a tree to get to us because you and I, we failed to see Jesus. The world has failed to see God. You and I have all failed to see God differently. And because we don't see God for who he is, we don't treat him the way he deserves. That's what sin is. Because we don't see him the way that we ought to and because we don't see God, we fail to treat him and give him the glory and the honor that he deserves. We're all Zacchaeus. And for us to be able to see, Jesus had to go and be crucified on a tree, and he did. In fact, let me read. I'm going to read one more verse here. This is in 2 Corinthians 5.21. Uh, it's not on the screen. I'm just going to read it to you. 2 Corinthians 5.21, Jesus, Paul is talking about Jesus, and he said, He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of Christ. Look what Jesus did. Jesus became sin so we can become saved. Jesus became sin so we can become saints, so we can become the righteousness of God. And that become is not instant. It's just because Jesus did that you place your faith in Jesus. It doesn't mean that you are righteous right now and that you'll never make a mistake. It doesn't mean that you are righteous right now, and it doesn't mean that you're not going to have a struggle or you're not going to have a, a, an internal war inside of you. That's not true. But see, when Jesus became sin so we can become the righteousness of God, here's what Jesus did. Jesus was willing. Jesus was willing to be seen differently and treated differently so that God can see us differently and treat us differently. Jesus received the curse that was meant for us so that we can receive a blessing so that we can receive a blessing. Last week, there's a popular song that's hitting the Christian circles right now. We sang it last week. It's called The Blessing. And it's a, it's a scriptural verse. It says, may the Lord bless and keep you. Okay, may he bless you. May he keep you, meaning keep you close, right? And the word keep in the Hebrew is protect, to guide, and to be all there for you. May he make his face to shine upon you, meaning that you may, that you may see him. May you, may you get to know who he is. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he be gracious to you in everything that he does. And may he give you peace. That's the blessings of God. God wants us to experience that. But we don't earn, we don't deserve that. Instead, we deserve the opposite. The curse. May, uh, R.C. Sproul is a legendary theologian that is no longer with us, said it this way. Excuse, I'm going to say how he said it. Excuse the language. May God bless you. No, it's may God damn you. May he hide his face from you. May he withhold his protection over your life. May he withhold, not be gracious. May he be greedy and not give you all that you need in him. And may you never have peace. That sounds rough. 
That's what we deserve. And listen, that's what Jesus got. That's how Jesus was treated on the cross. That's how Jesus was treated on the cross. He was never, he never sinned. He never did anything, but he was willing to take upon himself our sin and be seen differently and be treated differently. Jesus did not deserve to be treated this way, but he instead took the curse upon himself so that we, so that all who place their faith and confidence in Christ, where we're the ones who fail to see one another and him differently, where we're the ones who have failed to treat one another the way we should and the way we treat him differently yet he took it all upon himself so we can be different so we can so things can be different that's what he did that's what he did he became a curse so we could be blessed Jesus made all of this possible because he made it personal Jesus made all of this possible for us so because he made it personal. He didn't just send someone on his behalf to die for humanity. He didn't send, he said, I'm gonna go myself. You ever seen a TV show? You ever seen the movies, right? Somebody crosses the line and then they go, oh, now it's personal, right? What does that mean? It was like, all right, it's serious. It's go time now. You were messing around, but now it's personal. Now I'm going to do something about it. Jesus, the day Adam and Eve the day Adam and Eve rebelled against the Lord, and then we've all rebelled. I was like, all right, it's personal. I'm going to step in. Jesus didn't just step into his life. He stepped into the world. He stepped into this existence. Jesus was willing to step in. He made it personal by personally dying on the cross for us so that now he can do what only he can do, what we cannot accomplish on our own. He made it possible because he made it personal. And that's what we then need to do. And I'm going to challenge you now. You, if you want to see God do something different in the world, it has to start with you, this world right here. God has to change your world. When he changes your world, he changes the world. And it has to be personal. You have to be willing to say, and it starts with this, you got to make it personal when it comes to you and God. Not just, you know, and that means not just showing up to church online in person once a week. That's not making it personal. That's passive. That's casual. No, it's making it personal. Having that personal relationship with God on a daily. Having a personal walk with God on a daily. Having personally approaching the throne of grace every single day. That's what it is. It starts with you and I daily making it personal. And when we make it personal, then we're not just, hey, you got to take it outside of that. That's just your individual. Now you got to step into the church. You got to be willing to show up because what the church is supposed to be, it's supposed to be a micro community of people who are making it personal with each other. Like I ain't just here to, I ain't just here to throw up all the phrases and the smiles and I'm just going to keep the, keep the guard up because I got to know. The churches must be a place where we can pull the masks off and talk about real life and say, look, see me. Intimacy. I love even that's, I know I'm, I'm breaking, I'm using English to break that down, but intimacy into me, see, like being, being vulnerable. We do that here. When we can make it personal here, and then it's my personal responsibility to love you. It's my personal responsibility to carry your burdens, to rejoice when you rejoice, to weep when you weep. If that's your struggle, it's not mine, but I'm going to learn in. I'm going to lean in and see. That's what we're called to do personally. But then it doesn't stop there, church, because the micro community is designed to then take that into the macro community to the macro community and then we go into the community and we go and bear that we weep with them and, and we bring this light over into darkness 
that's making it personal, but it starts with us and God. It starts then in the church and then outside. Listen, I'm going to put some on the screen. We're going to start wrapping things up. And I want to put a, 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 a quote on the screen. I wrote this in February before everything was going down. I didn't look at it until I was prepping for this week, and I'm like, dear Jesus, because I thought of the coincidence. Today was the first day that we're allowing people to show up in person, right? And so you're all showing up online, then, you know, you're coming through, TGC fam online, I love it. And today there's people who showed up personally, so I was interesting that today this statement was written way before COVID was ever a thing. And now it's on the day where we all have to show up. We all get to show up to church on Sunday. This is interesting. Hey, we're going to put it on the screen. Yo, those watching online, you better screenshot this. Everybody else, here we go. The legacy of any great church will not be measured by how many people show up for services once a week, but rather by how many actually show up in someone's life and, and in service throughout the week. All right? That's the legacy of a great church is not who shows up. Hey, I love you if you're showing up online and you're showing up in person. That's great. That's, I, that's, that's a step. That's part of making it personal. But it, this is not the end. This is just the beginning. This is just the beginning. The legacy of a great church is not people, is not how many show up to service online in person once a week. How many of them actually are willing to make it personal and show up in someone's life every single day of the week? Do you know why? Because Jesus made it personal. We ought to treat others. We ought to see others differently because Jesus saw, saw us differently. We treat others differently because Jesus treated us differently. We show up and we step into someone's life because Jesus stepped onto the cross for us. We love others because he loved us. That's the point. That's where we're at. And again, and this is for all of us. Listen, for if you, you might be watching maybe here and you're disappointed you're missing something like Zacchaeus was. Zacchaeus felt he needed to climb a tree to get to Jesus. That's what, and it, it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough to get to him. There's a lot of us here. There's a lot of us online. There's a lot of people not watching. They're all climbing a tree and they're trying to find significance in their, and, and purpose in their identity. But you're climbing the wrong tree. There's a lot of people online right now. There's a lot of people everywhere who are fighting over who's right, who's wrong. Right? Is this right? Is this wrong? No, this is, we want peace. We want justice. What does that look like? What, what is this? What is that? What is, and we have everybody arguing online about right and wrong. We have every, there's billions of people right now up the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Billions of people right now are climbing and fighting and yelling at each other from the branches of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that only leads to death and destruction because everyone's arguing about who's right with no framework of where to begin. It's like, how, how can you call a crooked, C.S. Lewis says, how can you call a crooked line straight if you don't know what a straight line looks like? That's our culture. That's our culture. We, we're, we can't see each other differently. We can't treat each other differently. But then we have to remind them, just like Jesus reminded Zacchaeus, you need to get down from that tree. It's necessary you get down from that tree. We got to tell other people, listen, it is necessary you get off that tree because there's another tree. There's another tree. There's another tree that Jesus died on. There's another tree that Jesus restored, that tree of life, by surrendering his life on a tree. There is another tree. It is necessary that you get down. It's necessary. There is another option. And there, it's, you're not going to find it. You want to find true peace? Peace is not an idea. Peace is a person. It's Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Peace is a person. You are going to be disappointed constantly if you're trying to pursue this idea of peace and you don't want to start with the person. You want justice? 
Justice is Jesus. Justice is a person. It's not an idea. Everything that our culture wants right now, everybody, it's, it is not a thing to grasp. You're climbing up a tree. You're not going to make it. It's necessary that we get down in church. It's necessary that we show up and in love. There's another tree. There's another tree. There's another way. And see, and I want to I ask you as we wrap up to pray this prayer. We're talking about rhythms, right? How to find rest for our souls. Listen, a restless world will never find rest from their souls until we and let, be like Jesus and tell them, y'all got to come down. Listen to the tree. Until we are willing to see others differently, treat them differently. We can only do that because of Jesus. Because Jesus saw us and treated us differently, we can do the same. So guys, may we all pray that prayer today. May we all pray that prayer today to say, Lord, give me eyes to see people differently. And give me a heart to treat them differently. It's not compassion if there's no action next to it. That's pity. Compassion without action is pity. That doesn't do anything. Lord, help me see people differently. Help me treat them differently. Lord, you fill in the blanks. Help me to see them the way you see them and treat them, not the way they deserve. Help me treat them, God, the way if it was you. So you can turn Zacchaeus, the way you turn Zacchaeus' life around, God, that you may turn our lives around, that you may turn the world right side up. That's a rhythm that we need to pray daily. That's a rhythm that we need to have daily. And listen, I believe it if we develop that rhythm. If we develop that rhythm, we're going to see God do miracles through his love in us. Now is not a time to be passive. We need to make it personal. See, the more we think that, hey, the problem is someone else's problem, then it's never going to get fixed. It starts with us. We got to recognize, make it personal and say, Lord, fix the problem in me because we all have blind spots and Lord help me make it personal by personally showing the love of Jesus treating others the way God that they should be treated but more importantly showing them away showing them to the cross showing them and sharing the gospel in both words and deeds so that God can transform lives the way he transformed Zacchaeus the way he's transformed so many people guys I believe if we make it personal God is going to do something powerful so let's do that especially I mean that's what it is man being a revolutionary right that's what it is and so we're going to going to continue this conversation really even though we're going to do a new series i believe that this series is really leading into the next as we're going to be talking about biblical racial reconciliation and how we can make it personal specifically talking about the issue of race and racism and putting it not only making it practical but also seeing lord what is your way not what does the left say what does the right say what is you know what do you say so until then guys again make it personal with your walk with god make it personal as you walk with others regardless of what they look like believe vote all that make it personal in sharing the love of jesus all right because that's what it means to be a revolutionary all right be a revolutionary let the love of jesus revolutionize your life as you follow christ and learn to more and more revolve all of your life around christ so guys join me next week as we continue this conversation have a good one god bless you